0: You already know that subscriptions can add predictable recurring revenue to your store. But did you know that Bold's recurring orders has added a ton of new features to make it even more profitable? Their convertible subscription feature first lets customers subscribe to one product and then automatically switch it to a different one the second month. So this lets you set up trial sizes, free samples, etc. And then they've also added a cancellation flow to keep people on the subscription. It's like abandoned cart recovery, but for subscriptions. So if you've ever tried to cancel your Audible account, you'll see what I mean. If you say you don't like the books, they offer you a free one. If you say it's too expensive, it automatically offers you a deal on the next month. Basically Bold built this into the recurring orders app and it stops up to 30% of customers from canceling their subscriptions. Their most recent feature is the subscription buy button. That lets you sell your subscriptions directly with just a link. So it's perfect for email, blog posts, Facebook, etc. Now, one of the things I personally love about it is that customers can now manage everything about their subscriptions by themselves. They can log in and then pause, skip, edit, update payment info, their address, swap products, add products, and more. They can just manage everything themselves. So it's a huge time savings for store owners because it means fewer customer requests. Now, if you want to add predictable recurring revenue to your business today, you could do that by going to boldcommerce.com subscriptions to check it out. That's boldcommerce.com subscriptions. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines, and it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. From EtherCycle headquarters outside Chicago, you're listening to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, and today we're going to talk about conversion rate optimization. It's one of my favorite topics. We haven't touched on it in a while, uh, but it, it's fresh in my mind, and I have a, a truly experienced and fantastic guest today to, uh, to educate us on the topic. Um, And people have all kinds of unusual misconceptions and ideas about what conversion rate optimization is, what it means, what goes into it, what tools, etc. I have heard all manners of things told to me as gospel. Um, I'll give you a recent example. I recently, uh, we did a a store setup for someone, um, and I used uh, color isolation. So this idea that you, you reserve a particular color for your primary calls to action, and then that teaches people, oh, this is, you know, that's the thing to look for. Um, so you keep it consistent. I like it. Anyway, I used this entire site was, uh, predominantly, uh, monochrome with the exception of our primary calls to action were red. And that was in the, the feedback we got. One of the first things was, you know, we was, you could never use red because red means stop. And people like, as if people would just, you know, freeze, uh, see a red button and are like, eh, I'm not clicking that. Um, and it isn't true. You know, it, it's a, it's a myth, but that's, that's what we're going to correct today. We're going to learn a new customer-centric methodology that will help us increase conversions. And our guest to teach us how to do that is Talia Wolf, who is the founder and chief optimizer at Git Uplift. And recently she was listed as one of the most influential experts in conversion optimization, as she should be. I mean, she's a conversion optimization specialist, trainer, and keynote speaker. Highly recommended. I'm I am honored and flattered to have her on the show today. Talia, thank you for joining us.
1: Wow, thank you for that intro. <laughs> it's like no pressure there.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was off the top of my head too, that was pretty good.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. Uh, okay, so briefly tell me uh, what, it is, what it is you do, where you do it, et cetera.
1: Um, so I do customer-centric conversion optimization, as you put uh, very well um which means that I help businesses optimize their websites uh, specifically e-commerce websites is kind of my main forte but what I do is I help them tap into their customers get into their heads um I take them away from uh being product centric and make them customer centric so we do all the ab testing that you know of with conversion optimization but the idea is that there's a lot of research that goes into it beforehand um we look into the emotional drivers of customers. Why are people actually buying from you? So not the features, not the pricing, not how amazing your product is, but what are the emotional drivers? What are their concerns? What are they looking for? What are they hoping emotionally to gain from your product? Um, And then using all that information... To essentially um, choose the right colors for your website, choose the right hero images, um, the right content, the unique selling proposition, the text, the fonts, everything. So it's all about the customer, um, and of course, A/B testing all of this stuff to make sure that it really is affecting the bottom bottom line and delivering higher ROI.
0: Okay, I love it. Uh, do you have off the top of your head? Do you, can you think of an example that illustrates this?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, when you when you think about conversion optimization, most people do think about button testing, right? So red versus blue or headline change. Um, For me, it's more about changing the entire um conception of the website. So as an example, what we do um, is we'll speak to customers, we'll do customer interviews, we'll do surveys, we'll do competitor analysis, we'll build a profile, like a psychological profile of the customer. Um, we'll dig dig deep into um, the different emotions that drive the customer, um, the cognitive biases that kind of affect the way we make decisions. Um, And it's quite different than being data-centric. So most businesses and most marketers will always tell you to be data-driven, right? So know the numbers. Um, I'm more the person, I always say that you should be um, data-informed. You should know all the data. That's incredibly important to know where the leak is. But you should be customer-driven. So you should know what your customer expects when they come to your website. Because every person that comes to your website has a challenge that they're facing and they want you to solve that one, whether if it's to find something to wear or if it's to, you know, solve um, their dental issue, whatever it is, they're expecting something from you. So my goal is to help you understand exactly what that is and then make sure that that's what you're delivering a customer centric, um, journey and the reason why this works so well is because you're essentially not just getting that one-time kpi and that's what everyone thinks conversion optimization is yeah i just want to get more sales i just want to get more signups if you do conversion optimization the right way which is customer-centric emotional targeting that's kind of what i call it you're not just going to get that one-time sale you're not just going to double your conversions or your sales you're going to get lifetime customers that are going to repeatedly come back to you and buy from you does that make sense?
0: It does. I love it. I am the guy who's saying, oh, everything, you need to make all your decisions based on data. And largely, I do this because <laughs> it is very difficult to argue with data. No one could say, well, my poodle doesn't like blue, so you can't use that here, right? And it's like, well, the data says your poodle doesn't matter. Um, so that's, well, it's kind of the, the example well, I used data, to illustrate it. data but- does-
1: Data does tell you where the story is, and that's important, but it doesn't tell you why it's happening. It doesn't tell you what the story is. And that's where you need to go deeper. And most people stop there. They use best practices. They read blog posts. They they copy from their competitors because optimization is hard. You need to come up constantly with new ideas for new variations. And most people just follow best practices. Um, but if you really want to grow your business and get meaningful results, you have to do the heavy lifting and you have to go deeper than just looking at Google analytics. You have to start really understanding your customers better. And then it's easier for you to talk about that poodle and what color (laughs) it needs to see.
0: So I've got a million, I've got, I've got a million questions here. Uh, let's work backwards. Uh, all right. So you had mentioned best practices I wrestle with best practices because there are some that I know I'm like, all right, this is, this is best practice. This makes sense. Like people read in an F pattern. So let's, let's leverage that. Like, I think that's safe. But then other times I often, often see people are like, I have to have this feature. Well, why? Because our competitor has it. Mm. Okay. Why, why do you care that they have it? Well, I perceive them as successful. Like, how do you, do you know that that's why? Like, no, we just need it. And so it, I have this, this wrestling with, with best practices. Where do you fall on the, the best practice sentiment?
1: I hate best practices. Okay. Tell me why. <laughs> so, so, let's just put it out there. Um, I'll, give you, I'll tell you a story. I worked with an e-commerce site a few years ago that was obsessed with their competitors. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy to test stuff. So when a client comes up to me and says, my competitors does this. They're really successful. I want to try it too. I say, no problem. Let's test it. But before we test it, I want to understand what the problem is that you're trying to solve and what answer are you trying to get? So what are you trying to learn? Because every A-B test you launch isn't just about, you know, let's launch and see what happens. You have to say, this is the problem I'm trying to fix. And this is what I think is going to happen. This is what I want to learn from it. So if you can tell me that and not just, oh, my competitor has it, but you think that this will solve a certain problem, I'm happy to test it. But I do want to point out that I, as I was saying, I worked with an e-commerce client a couple of years ago and they were obsessed with their competitor and they had a registration form for their newsletter that looked in a certain way that required a million uh, fields and all sorts of stuff going on in there. And they were obsessed about having the exact same thing as their competitor. And no matter what I did, they would not try something different. Um, and I think it was years later, maybe three years later, um, I, I, got on a call with that specific competitor about something completely different. And I said, listen, I just have to ask you, why is your registration form that way? And the guy just did this. Oh, we have a technical issue and I've never been able to change it. (laughs) Right. But that's it. Like it's the blind leading the blind. You're just kind of, oh, this person knows what he's doing. So I'm just going to follow it. It's the same as like the blog posts that tell you, we made one change and saw 5,000% increase in conversion optimization. You have to do this no, it doesn't work like that. You have different target audiences. You have different people coming to your website. You have to address their specific needs. It's not about the competitor. It's not about you. It's about them.
0: So tell me about, you're absolutely right. I totally agree. And I love that you were in the situation where you were able to go ask the competitor and find out. So why is it (laughs) that way? Like, you know, from the outside looking in, people ascribe all kinds of reasons. is like, they do it this way because you know, like, you have no idea. You are literally just guessing as to their motives there. And yeah, oftentimes it is simple as like, well, that's what we did because that's what we did. And it's just, that's the end of it. There's no, you know, it, it wasn't yeah. broken. So we didn't fix it. It's just always been that way. Um, okay. So going backwards then to emotional targeting, you said step one here, it sounds like step one is, is research and within research that step one would be talking to customers, Right.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things that we do. Um, So when we're doing the research, our goal is to understand the emotional drivers of our customer. Um, We want to understand what stage of awareness they're in. So where are they in the buyer journey? Are they aware? Are they pain aware? Are they product aware? So where are they exactly on that kind of scale? Um, then we'll start getting into customer profiling. So what we want to do is customer surveys and interviews. We speak to clients. We speak to customers and talk to them. Listen to their concerns, what they're worried about, what they were worried about before they bought, what they felt afterwards. Um, this is a really good way also to kind of data mine um social proof and testimonials and reviews because oh, we're hearing we're hearing that right from them and, and a lot of times um or m- many times i've seen that we call the product one thing or we talk about something in a certain way and then you get on the call with like multiple clients and they're all calling it something completely different and yes. that's what you should be calling it right so customer surveys and customer interviews are so imperative and paramount in order to really understand how your customer perceives you, perceives the industry, what they're what they're struggling with, and what they want from you specifically. Yeah, consistently, and once that, uh, sorry.
0: It's consistently one of the most impactful things we've done, conversion rate optimization wise, is surveying customers and then finding uh, those phrases and that language that they're using to talk about the product that we weren't, exactly. and then just changing our language to match theirs not trying to exactly. educate them let them educate us on how they're talking about it um and that then suddenly like that that is one of the um like most consistently foolproof ways to increase conversions is ask your customers and see how they they discuss this stuff
1: continue right and you know what's really cool about it is that many times i speak to people and they're like i'm sitting in front of a page and they can't figure out what to write and the and i'm And, you know, they're they're thinking about writing copy or whatever it is, and they're really kind of struggling with it. I'm like, go back to your customer interviews. Go back to the surveys. What are people saying? Use those. Don't make up copy. Don't just sit there and, like, try and invent the wheel. Everything's out there ready for you to use. Just grab it and repurpose it. Um, so that's why it's so important to to talk to your customers on a daily basis. And you actually will be so surprised uh, with the amount of clients. And I'm sure the people that are listening here today, it's fine. Most people don't do this, haven't spoken to their customers, don't do it. So it's kind of assumptions that we make that we think we know what our customers want rather than actually speaking to them one on one. So um, that's kind of the first thing that we do. And we also build psychological profiles and we do competitive research, but we're not doing competitive research on like the technical stuff. I'm not trying to figure out what, um, you know, what features they have or what pricing they have. I'm trying to figure out what my my prospects that are currently buying from my competitor, what do they feel about, about this competitor? Are they happy with them? Are they upset with them? What are the things that they are concerned about? What are the things that they're excited about? Um, you can do that by looking at their reviews, for example. Um, there's many different things, but the idea is just the whole idea and the purpose of the research is to get into your customers' heads and just by doing that, you already get dozens of A/B testing ideas, and most people just want to go ahead and launch them immediately because it was so obvious, right? To just oh, why didn't I think about that?
0: So when so you the survey research- when you survey customers, it sounds like you're segmenting them um, by their where they are in their their customer journey and their their customer life cycle. So like, all right, this person has. Um, this issue, this person is aware of the brand, this person is aware of the product, this person has bought the product, um, and then surveying them. How do you find these people?
1: So there's multiple ways of doing that, but um, first your goal is to figure out the stage of awareness of customers. And to do that, you can look at the keywords that people are using to arrive on your shop, on your e-commerce shop. Um, You can look at the time that people are arriving on your website and you can look at the keywords that people are using on the website itself to search. So are people using specifically your brand to reach you within Google or are they searching for a specific pain? Um, And that kind of will tell you if someone's uh, pain aware, so they know they have an issue, but they haven't started kind of looking to solve it yet or if they are product-aware, so they know about your specific solution and they're looking into you specifically. Um, This really helps us change the way we speak to people because essentially until someone's actually product-aware and knows exactly who we are and what we are and how we can solve their problem for them, we don't talk about ourselves at all. Um, And then when I know that someone is, for example, on a blog page versus a product page then i know that these you know this is some two people who have different stage of awareness someone on the blog is maybe Just kind of researching the pain, trying to figure out what are the right solutions for him. Um, Someone who's on a product page might be ready to just buy. She's just looking for the buy button and she knows what you have to offer and she's ready. And these are two different people that you want to ask them different questions and reach them in a different way. So we start by surveying on different pages according to specific behavior. Is it someone, are we, you know, do we want to survey first time visitors or returning? Do we want to survey people who have been on certain amount of pages already, have scrolled a certain amount of, t- um, you know, percent of the page? Then, when we get the the surveys back and we see how people respond, then we're going to say, oh, this person is someone I want to talk to, so I'm going to reach out and see if they're ready to jump on a call, for like just a ten minute call with me to just clarify a few things, um, maybe offer them something, you know, like a, a few, like five percent off their next purchase. Um, but that's how we go about it. We identify where the person is in their customer journey and their state of awareness. Then we reach out with the right questions at the right time. And if they're, if it's interesting, we're going to reach back to them and try and get them on the the phone.
0: Very good. Okay. Uh, do you have a couple example questions that would, um, like some of your, your go-to questions that are enlightening?
1: Yeah. Um, I like to ask people what, led them to search for a solution. So what was happening in your life on Sunday, Monday, whenever it was, that led you to search for this? What pain were you feeling? What were you struggling with? Um, that is kind of the first thing I wanna know. So what was, what was happening? Then, you know, what were your concerns? Okay, you reached my website, you figured out, you know, okay, this person has this offer, What were you concerned about? What were you worried that wasn't going to stand up to what you need? Um, And then another question I like to ask is, okay, so now tell me about the one thing that has really made your life better. So if I took the product away from you today, what would you miss the most? Um, We tend to think that they're going to say something very technical, but usually it's about how the product made their life easier. Okay. It's about how they don't need to do this anymore, or you know, they feel they'll have to do X, Y, and Z from now on that the product is helping them. So those are kind of the first questions I like to ask.
0: Now, once you have those questions, what do we do with them?
1: Mm, we aggregate the content. So we're trying to find patterns. We're interviewing many people, we're surveying as many people as we can, and we're trying to see patterns. We're trying to profile customers according to their needs, according to what they're interested in, and then we're trying to see the pattern is are things um, coming up um, that kind of repeat themselves. And I'll give you an example. One of the questions that I like to ask is, who is your hero? Who's the one person you look up to? Most people think that's a really weird question to ask. Um, it has nothing to do with the product, but it tells me a lot about my customer. Um, I did this for an e-commerce site a couple of years ago and it turned out that 90% of the respondents said that their role model is their father or their mother. Why is this important to me? Because it tells me a lot about their values and what they care about. And I can use that content later on to talk about those values on my product page or on my checkout page or even on my homepage. Maybe I want to put a a picture of a family there because I know that that is going to ro- to work really well on my target audience. So you want to aggregate the content and find repeating themes and things that people are talking about and mentioning over and over again, and then you can use that in your copy or your design.
0: I like it. The do you, how do you avoid one of the issues I run into? So like, we'll we'll survey um, we'll survey purchasers. And we have, you know, everything gets dumped into a spreadsheet, and I've got the info there. How do you go through it? This is what I would love. You know, I, normally we, I just I print it out and read through it, and I start highlighting stuff. Um, what I would love to see, you know, for myself is to be able to put that into a tool that just generates a word cloud, you know, that tells me, hey, these are common phrases. That would be fantastic. As far as I know, <laughs> nothing quite like that exists. Um, nothing, you know, readily useful. Um, but how do... You know, the other thing I have to be aware of is be very mindful about avoiding um, my own biases. Where I just like, I know what I'm trying to prove, and then I go looking for that in the data.
1: Mm. Yeah, Um, that's actually why I don't use word clouds and stuff. You can do if you, you know, there are free word cloud tools that you can actually just throw everything in there, and it will show you what words repeat themselves. But then you might get it out of context. So there isn't a tool like you're suggesting, but I wouldn't use word clouds because the thing is. You want to go over everything. I know it's at work, right? It's like really working hard to go over everything, but I print everything out and I start marking like things in like a highlighted pen because I want to read everything. I want to start kind of identifying all the answers and it's important to go through those things. It's important to spend the time doing that even when it's sometimes hard and long in order to really understand your customers better. Um, And I've seen when I teach, um, I have an online course, and part of it, you have to actually do a customer survey, and we put out a lot of questions to their websites. Um, And I notice when we do this, when they're asked to comb through everything, you can see the differences in the people that just kind of picked out what they found interesting versus the people that really went through the customer surveys because they have come out with real insights and thing. And you can hear in their voice how surprised they are about the different things or how they found this little tidbit and how amazing it is versus the people that just come in saying, yeah, they just prove whatever I thought was going to happen anyway. Um, so you have to do the hard work. Unfortunately, I was say, the,
0: answer, <laughs> the answer is there is no shortcut. Just, you, just do the work.
1: Yeah. I mean, most people do take the shortcut. A, they don't do the surveys. And if they do the surveys, um, they don't really go through all the data. So if you want to stand out and if you want to be different than everyone else, you have to do everything.
0: There is. Yeah. And that is a, a, a depressing battle that I, I struggle with is I I try to convince people, Hey, we got to you know, the best thing you could do is, is talk to your customers and and run these surveys, and we should set this up on day one where you know, like we have a system in place to collect survey questions and then we periodically go over them. and you know honestly one one in fifty people do it. and then the people that do that really like take the time, that set up the surveys and then actually take the time to do something with the data those are the ones that are the most tremendously successful because they have such a clear, this constant clear image and reminder of who their customers are. And as you said, more importantly, why they're buying emotionally.
1: Yeah. I think, um, as I said, most of us just tend to assume we know why people buy. And then like one of the first questions I ask my clients when I start working with them is why do people buy from you? And I always get a long list of features Pricing. Um, you know, we have uh, shipping, free shipping. We have a best team. We've been going for X amount of years. It's always about the co- uh, about themselves, um, and it's really interesting to see the transformation that people go through when they stop talking about themselves and they understand what really drives people to buy it. Because we don't buy, I know we love to think that we're rational people. I know we love to think (laughs) that every decision that we make, you know, goes through this channel where our system uh, two kind of kicks in and we're really analyzing everything and thinking thinking things through, but that's not the case. Most of the time we make decisions by the way things are presented to us really quickly And we have a lot of biases that affect our decision. And we come in with a lot of raw emotion to it. Maybe we want to feel loved. Maybe we want to feel respected. We might want to feel part of a community. Um, Maybe we want higher self-esteem. Whatever it is, when we're buying something, we're essentially buying a better version of ourselves, a better father, a better marketer, um, someone who looks better. Whatever it is. So it's up to you to understand what that is. You have to understand what your customer is really buying from you when they purchase that soap, uh, box, or insurance policy.
0: Yeah, I think fundamentally they're buying, like the, the several common emotional reasons that we see when people make purchase decisions is, you know, does this increase my status? Does this make my life does this reduce risk in my life does this um, does this make my life easier and save me time like those are gener those are like they're, they're very broad categories, but those really are very uh, common reasons as to why people are actually buying a thing.
1: Um, yeah, I mean
0: agree or disagree
1: I think that the thing is with us is that we we buy things really quickly. So we'll go into a store. we might buy a $300 t shirt, or we'll buy something, um, you know, we'll make a quick decision, and then later we'll justify it with logic. So there are common themes to it. It's usually about how I want to feel about myself, or how I want people to feel about me. That's kind of the general two um, kind of Uh, emotional drivers but within them there's many many different emotions if I want to feel a certain way about myself it might be I want more confidence or I want to feel that you know I want to feel loved or I want to feel better about the way I do business or whatever it is but when you're talking about how people feel about myself it's you know about me it's self-esteem so there's different kind of emotions that drive those different uh, decision making processes but it's always ultimately about myself and how I perceive and how people perceive me
0: I like it I'm trying to think of what's a good I'm I'm just thinking about it I'm trying to think of what a good follow-up question is there but I'm like huh. I'm waiting for
1: you to (laughs) ask me about color psychology
0: (laughs) oh my gosh oh yeah we did we (laughs) talked about that before I started the interview oh yeah okay and that was in my my intro too yes all right uh actually that's one of the ones I'd like a broader topic there. What are some of the myths that drive you nuts about conversion rate optimization, split testing, design, et cetera? Um, like there's a ton that just make Mm -hmm. me crazy. Um, and one is, yeah, color psychology for sure. Well, let's start there. What, what are your feelings? What are your feelings on color psychology? (laughs) What's the, what is the right color that my add to cart button should be? oh god
1: um <laughs> color psychology um you know I use a lot of color psychology in everything that I do and when I'm doing consulting or when I'm training teams we talk a lot about this because everyone's kind of ultimately asking me so what's the best you know buy button that I need um but the thing is that when I talk about color psychology there's like this it's it's a beautiful thing, right? If you Google color psychology, you will get these beautiful infographics that are all telling you the same thing. Red equals love, blue equals trust, green equals health, and whatever, like hundreds of these beautiful infographics, all telling you exactly what each color means. But that is I don't want to curse, but that is rubbish. And why is that rubbish? Because there is no one emotion that dominates one color so red isn't always uh stop it all isn't always lust or love it means different things for different people we are in fact affected by color on different levels we're affected um emotionally by the things we might have experienced in life we're affected by our culture so for example Um, you know, over in the west, we wear white at our wedding because it's a pure color, but in the in Asia, that is considered a mourning color, so you wouldn't wear white for your wedding, you would wear red. Um, the and symbols, right? Yellow equals sun, blue equals beach or sea or whatever. We each, we all. Every one of us, if I grew up in a pink bedroom, I might like it or hate it. So just because I'm a girl doesn't mean that I'm going to love pink. Um, And just because pink, someone told you that pink means passion doesn't mean that it's going to work on me because I grew up in a pink bedroom and I hated it, for example. So um, in order to choose the right colors, you have to know who your audience is, even technically, where do they come from? What culture are they in? Um, Here's another example, Um, orange right many companies like um nickelodeon um fanta they all use orange because orange is supposed to be a fun cool color but in ireland it is actually a religious color hmm. right so you have to know who your target audience is where they're coming from what culture do they come from maybe they've experienced something emotionally um that you don't want to use a certain color and also colors aren't just you know specifically the color and what I mean by that blue doesn't always equal trust and if you use too much of blue you could cause a different kind of emotion and there's different scales of the color blue it starts with like baby blue and all the way to royal blue and they don't all mean the same so I get annoyed when people talk about color psychology as if it's just like the easiest thing oh purple that means royal great it's it's not that easy you have to do the work stop following beautiful infographics and best practices that tell you that it is. Okay. I got that off my chest. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with all of that. Um, And I, I really don't find myself obsessing over colors. It is very rare to see color choice. Um, on a a site that is at least like well-designed seeing changing colors, move the needle at all. um, Unless it's a move toward just like, this is more accessible or usable um, regardless Mm -hmm. of the color. Usually like the biggest thing is just that, you know, does this site have contrast? Um, uh, What are some of the, what are some of the other myths? Are there any, maybe like one or one or two more?
1: Well, I, I mentioned registration forms before. I know that everyone likes to say that you should ask for the least possible staff and that uh, registration forms should be really um, short. Uh, I think that really depends on your target audience, who you are, what you're requesting. Um, many times that is like the go-to, right? Everyone tells you uh, you're asking for too many things in your registration form. You should you know, remove half the stuff. Most of the times... You know, that is the case, but there are many, many times where you might see less registrations. Um, and this is very true to B2B uh, specifically, but you'll see less registrations when there's more form fields, but the foes that do fill in the form actually do kind of convert uh, more. They'll pay more. They will become lifetime value customers. Um, so... I just don't, generally, the whole best practices thing where people think or say that this is obsolete, this is terrible, do ne- never do this or always do this, I'm against. You should use your common sense. You can't test everything, but use common sense or test it. But don't just follow stuff blindly because someone told you or some expert wrote in a blog post that that worked for them.
0: So I think the 10,000-foot the view here is... You know, stop. Best practices are, you know, are, are not best practices. A stop clock is going to be right twice a day. And it, the answer is it depends. I mean, there's so many things where it depends on the audience um, and the context for best practices. So they're, they're danger there, danger there's danger there. And then similarly, for almost identical reasons, copying your competitors because you're making assumptions <laughs> about why they do things creates the same problem. Um, and fundamentally, like, it's your business. You should do what you want. But the only opinion that really matters is the customers. And those are the people you should be talking to. And those are the people you should care about. Bingo. Ah, uh, I feel good. <laughs> uh, okay. You passed the test.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. Actually, that's good. That's a good spot. All right. Um, you have <laughs> you have some free resources uh, hmm. for... For our listeners, tell me about that.
1: Oh, um, okay. So over on my website at getuplift.co, that's co, um, I have a whole page with three resources there, but the one I recommend you guys um, get most is actually the cognitive bias list. So it's a complete list of cognitive biases, and these are little glitches that we have in our brain that affect the way we make decisions. Um, and what this is, it's a complete list that shows you how to use these different biases in your design, how to test them. I show you examples and stuff like that, so that's really cool. Um, and there's all sorts of frameworks and checklists and stuff. So Um, and, oh, and the checklist for color psychology too, that you could use, um, teaching you how to actually identify the right color you should be using. Um, so yeah, you can head on over to that on my website and just download the stuff that you need for your research.
0: I am entering my email address in now, along with my name. (laughs) I I see this is a two, two field form. Send me the cheat sheet. (laughs) And it's white on black text with color psychology would tell us, never do that. People will see it and then just immediately panic. They'll think it's nighttime. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've heard all kinds of crazy things. Uh, Okay. I'm, oh no, I'm looking around on the CRO resources page. I desperately want the cognitive bias list. Where do I find it?
1: Uh, It should be the first one there.
0: Oh, the complete list of psychological triggers. And there it is. Yeah, Uh, Better understand different cognitive biases. Okay, yes, I'm going to copy the link to that form and put that in the show notes along with, uh, and we've got the link to the resources page. Any other uh, things I should link to in the show notes that might be useful?
1: Um, okay, I have a complete uh, landing page optimization guide, um, and I know we're talking about e-commerce here, but... I get into heat maps and customer surveys and interviews and calls to action. Well, we certainly um, use landing
0: pages in e-commerce.
1: Yeah, I know. But most people that hear landing pages, like, I do e-commerce, I don't do landing pages. So (laughs) just people are are weird about that. So, And, yeah, I mean, people can follow me on Twitter if they'd like, TaliaGW. Um, And what I was saying is that almost every Thursday we have a live training at 9 a.m. PST. Uh, choose a topic, and myself or someone, an expert that I bring in, um, teaches something or answers questions um, live on Crowdcast. So, um, if that's of any interest, and um, the courses, of course, so whatever you guys want.
0: <laughs> Basically, I will. I I have included all of these links in the show notes. Um, this has been fantastic. Lastly, is there anything you wish every store owner? every Shopify merchant, every Shopify store owner would do. Talk
1: to your customers.
0: You know, it sounds simple when you put it like that, but very few people actually do that.
1: I know, and that's why, it's meant to sound simple, but it really is, it really is what will define you versus your competitors. And I promise you that if you speak to your customers and you do your homework, you won't see your, co- your competitors because they'll be way, way back behind you in your dust.
0: Very good. Okay, I've included, that is fantastic advice, and (laughs) I've given, uh, yeah, I've got all these show notes in here. Uh, What else? Anything else? Oh, you have a course called Emotion Cells. I do. Yes, plug that for me. That sounds interesting. I
1: want to know about that. The reason I developed the emotional targeting methodology um, and this whole method that I've been speaking about was because when I started doing conversion optimization, I was using best practices, I was guessing, I was asking people random stuff and I had no idea what I was doing. And I worked really hard to make changes on my website and the results were so embarrassing and upsetting and discouraging. So I had to build my own method and this whole process myself and that's when I kind of discovered the whole emotional part and went into customer-centric marketing. And I used to have an agency, and I'd work with many clients, um, e-commerce, actually. Um, And I saw that everyone was struggling with with the same stuff. So everyone felt like they were doing a lot of work and working hard for it, but not seeing the results they want. Um, And when I worked with them on the emotional part, everything just clicked And for me, I've always been a teacher. I've always taught things. Um, Even when I wasn't doing this, I was teaching. And I missed it. And I felt like I could do so much more if I just taught this method to people. So I built an entire course about how to sell using emotion. I basically map out my entire process and I give it away. Um, (laughs) Seriously, this is, um, I used to charge about 20K a month to do this for for clients and it's a course that you can take in six weeks um, and you get four live calls with me where I teach you how to do it and there's stuff that you follow in the like 10 minute videos where you can just follow and do your homework and do the assignments and you get to email me and ask me all your questions and then there's the four live calls where I talk to everyone and answer everyone's questions. Um, and i help them optimize their websites using emotions so it's like this whole process where they get to learn the actual method and instead of having someone else do it for them they do it for themselves and they have it for life
0: i love it i get i'm already like I'm like huh maybe i should sign up for that sounds like a good <laughs> one okay tell you thank you this has been this has been enlightening i love uh i love having like things i've suspected uh confirmed by someone else of course i love having my own my own cognitive biases confirmed for me. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, this is all great advice and it's just, it is it is wonderful to hear it out loud and, and have someone else say it and emphasize how important it is to talk to your customers.
1: Yeah, so we um, can... thank you for having me and I'm really happy that you found it helpful. Absolutely. Hopefully everyone else will too.
0: And final question before I wrap it up. Uh, real quick, as a call to action, where can people go to learn more about you?
1: Getuplift.co.
0: Perfect. Talia, thank you. Thank you. All right. Before we close, I want to give a special thanks to Klaviyo. If you've listened to this show, it should be no surprise to you that I love Klaviyo. We've seen their automation workflows typically add 10 to 20% additional revenue every month for our clients. And that's why thousands of e-commerce companies use Klaviyo to increase their sales. So how does it do it? Well, it brings together all of your Shopify e-commerce data in one place, which makes it super easy for you to create highly relevant, Automated and personalized email and Facebook ad campaigns. Yes, it even integrates Facebook audiences, which is very cool. You could sign up for free today at Klaviyo.com. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. And that's it for us today at the unofficial Shopify podcast. But I want to hear your thoughts on this episode, so please join our Facebook group. It's the unofficial Shopify podcast insiders. I know you've got your phone. Just search for it. Come talk to us. Or sign up for my newsletter at kurtelster.com. Shoot me an email. Either way, you're going to be notified whenever a new episode goes live. And of course, if you want to work with me on your next project, though I'm a bit booked at the moment, you can apply at ethercycle.com apply. And as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at commerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.